Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. I wonder when you see that clip and you see that phrase at the end, live generous, I wonder what that does in you. I wonder what sort of feelings that that evokes uh, in you. I wonder if it's the sort of thing that you lean into when you say, that's my life. That's the, the heartbeat of why I exist. I know that I've received from God and my life now is to live a life to please Him and to live a life where I can be generous in all that I do and who I am. I wonder if maybe that clip hits you in a different place. I wonder if you see it and you're a little unsure. Maybe uh, the, the current uh, economic kind of global crisis that we're living in, maybe some of you know, what's happening uh, economically around the world or as we're coming out of COVID and we're trying to work out what does rhythms and life look like in a post-COVID world. Maybe it's easier to think about the things that we need maybe rather than how we can be people who bless others. I'm guessing we uh, maybe are somewhere, maybe, you know, not necessarily either side on that. Maybe we're even potentially somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Depends what day you get me. Depends how you feel about what it means to live generous. I wonder if you can think of a time where someone has extended generosity into your life, love and care, where they didn't need to do that. And you receive that and, and, and you, you were involved in being the recipient of that. I wonder if you can remember a time, even maybe more recently, can you remember a time where someone was generous, they went out of their way for you or maybe for your family? I remember last year when Michelle had some surgery uh, that our life group and some close friends just got around us. They got around us and they shared with us our meals. We received some flowers. They checked in on us. They sent us some text messages just to say, hey, we're praying for you and we're walking with you at this time. And it was a bit of an unusual experience, I have to be honest, because as a pastor, we're normally the ones who are facilitating that for others. We're normally the ones who see need or people reach out to us in that way and we can help and share and facilitate care and generosity into the lives of others. But being on the receiving end from that was really quite special. It was a really special time for us where we kind of felt the full weight of love and embrace from others. And it was really significant for us in terms of we really felt noticed. There was a time it was really difficult, you know, a couple of months, but we felt noticed. We felt cared for. We, we knew that we weren't alone. It was really significant. I wonder if you can think of a time and experience where you have done, where you have experienced that generosity in your life. And why did these people do that for us at this time? Well, it's because they'd experienced God's generous love in their lives and they lived from a place of generosity into the lives of others. And as followers of Jesus, we can live generous lives. We can live generous because God has first been generous to others, to us. And we've received this restoration from God, this big theme that we've been looking at this year, this restoration. We've received restoration from God so we can live generously with others. And over the next four weeks, we're going to explore what it means to live generous. 
We're going to be hitting up on some different topics, and this has been something that we've been praying and planning uh, for for some time, actually, uh, in the life of the church, and particularly as we come out of COVID and think about what are the rhythms and what are the important things that we put into place. This is something that, as a church, uh, we really believe is important, that we know that we live from a place of receiving generosity for God so that we can serve others. So very important. We live in a time and a world where it's so easy to fold things back into what does it mean for me? What do I get out of it? Uh, How do I benefit from this? But actually in the economy of the kingdom of God, we flip that around and we actually say, how can we live with generosity? How can we live so that we know that we've been blessed by God so that we can be a blessing to others? And I was listening to Michelle's sermon last week as we wrapped up Romans and spending 10 weeks in the book of Romans looking at what does it mean to have a restored belief and to have restored living. And she spoke from Romans 15 and verse 13 really caught my attention. And in many ways, I sense that God was saying this was like a verse that kind of that we kind of intersects and brings us forward into the series that we're moving into now. In Romans 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's this word, overflow. Uh, last week, Michelle showed this uh, picture of the champagne tower. And, uh, and gave that analogy of, the, of the, um, you know, the champagne going into the top, overflowing all the way down to the bottom. And in many ways, this is a, a picture, I think, of us living in the generosity of God. God first being generous to us, but we live in his overflow. It's not something that we need to manufacture. It's actually a blessing that God has given to us. So this will be our focus over the next uh, four weeks. We look at how can we live in the overflow of the generosity of God. And God demonstrates his generosity to all of humankind through creating and redeeming. Through creating and redeeming. God is a God who initiates, he creates, and then he also redeems. And it's a real privilege for us to participate in him in this way. You see, God created the world and he created everything in it from a place of love and a place of generosity. In Genesis 1, 27 and 28, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, God's a God who creates and God's a God who blesses. The sky, the land, the sea, the animals, the humans, all of us in here today. And he calls us to be fruitful and multiply. And later in verse 31, he says that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. He was happy. So God's the creator, but he's also the redeemer. And God desires to be in right relationship with his created. His heart is to be in right relationship with you, with me, and who he has created. That is his desire. And he uh, desires that out of his generosity, out of the fact that he's a generous father. And I love how Paul uh, puts it in Ephesians 1, where he speaks about uh, God being a creator and also a redeemer. I want to read to us Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, and you might want to follow with me on the screens, or you might even want to close your eyes and just listen for the generosity of God 
and all that he has given and blessed us with. This is Paul in Ephesians 1. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to be put to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. As the creator God, as the redeemer God, uh, God as in verse 3, it says that he's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. In verse 4 and 11, he's chosen us before the creation of the world. In verse 5, we're adopted into his family. In verse 7, he's redeemed us. Verse 9, he's made known to us his will. In verse 13, he's saved us and also given us the Holy Spirit. This is nothing that we have done. This is everything that God has done for us, that God has done for you, for all of humankind. God is the one who creates, he redeems, and he also sustains life. God is the generous one. And those of us who follow God, those of us who seek to live lives that please God in our lives, and and that's something that we are are really desiring for. We can live with generosity because of what God has already done for us. He's blessed us. He's chosen us. He's adopted us. He's redeemed us. He's made his will known to us. He's saved us, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And when Paul wrote this in the original Greek, it's just one flowing sentence. There's no full stops in this. He got on a roll and he just wanted to share about the generosity of God. He wanted to share about all the things that God is desiring to give to his people. And it's true for us today. We need to know this is what life is like in the economy of God. We can live generous lives because of what God has first given to us. And these are truths that we, number one, we need to receive from God. We actually need to receive these truths from God. We need to say, thank you, God. We received this from you. Two, we need to dwell on these truths. There's a lot of things that we can be dwelling on, uh, you know, in the age that we live in now. And with a 24-hour news cycle, with apps that open up your, your life to an entire, you know, kind of world, there are different things that we probably dwell on. But we actually need to dwell on the Word of God. 
We actually need to dwell on the things that God wants to say and how he wants to shape us in our lives. And thirdly, we need to live by these truths in our everyday lives. This stuff that we're talking about today, to live generous, to receive the generosity from God and to live into that, uh, it's actually something that needs to shape us. It needs to go beyond our thoughts and even beyond our hearts into our hands and into our feet. It needs to shape the decisions that we make that actually affect how we live. This is where it's at. I wonder, uh, decisions that you make in your life, do you make them through the grid of God being a generous father, looking out for you. God being a God who has blessed you, chosen you, adopted you, redeemed you, made his will known to you, saved you and given you the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. Because this is the kind of things that shape how we live in God's kingdom. I remember when uh, Michelle and I were uh, in London when we were first married and I was I was teaching, and uh, the last school that I taught at, and some of you might uh, know, was a, was a difficult school. It was a, a school which had a behavioral unit, and I spent a lot of time with students uh, that were at risk, uh, students that were coming off the estates, students who were coming out of juvie, uh, kids who uh, uh, you know, were asylum seekers finding refuge in the UK. It was a really you know, kind of a, a difficult mix of young people that we're working with. And we're teaching them more basic literacy and numeracy and then sports that I was teaching previous to that. But I also had time where I could spend uh, mentoring and coaching. I had one line a week, so a few hours where I could do that. And it was really interesting that I was able to, to coach them and to teach them, to train them. But I wasn't allowed to talk about God in any way. Uh, so I was teaching them sort of morals and values uh, that I'd had from a uh, a Judeo-Christian worldview and my belief in Jesus, and, but I wasn't able to, to kind of share in that sort of way. And that's when God started to speak to me about uh, a living uh, in, in a way uh, where he said, Mike, I'm starting to change your heart to love young people and to see young people thrive more than delivering on a curriculum. And I remember when we um, started to... Um, talk about coming back to Australia, we were looking to start a family and I started to apply for a few jobs and I applied for a couple of PE teacher roles and one of them was like the dream job, it was a middle school PE teacher job where you basically got to wear your polo shirt, your tracksuit pants and your trainers to work, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like Saturday every day, it's just living the dream, you get to beat these young kids at sport, you know, you probably feel a little bit good about yourself and teach them a few things as well, it was one of those sort of jobs which, you know, just a beautiful job. And, uh, and at the same time, God opened up this door for me to have a conversation around the youth pastor role at Golden Grove Baptist Church and the, the chaplain at King's Baptist Grammar Schools. And, and I, I really sensed that God, and Michelle and I sensed that God was leading in that. And if that door opened, that was the door to step in. That was where he was um, leading us in that way. And as we went through that process, that door opened, and I knew that I needed to retrain. I had to go get some actual theological training. I knew that I needed to upskill in some leadership. I knew that there was a number of things that I needed training in. And at the time, the principal spoke to me and he said, Mike, you do realise that this job doesn't pay very well. Uh, at that time, teachers probably earn about $70,000 back in 2005. And this job was uh, about half of that. And, uh, and he said, um, he goes, just so that you know, and uh, we went, well, it's okay. We, we, we trust God in all of that. And it's really interesting. That's about 17 years ago that that was a bit of a shift for us, a really significant shift. 
Because not long after that, we started a family and, and uh, we had to learn very quickly how to budget on not much. But do you know what's really interesting in all of that? I'll look back on that journey and God has always provided everything that we need. He's provided everything that we need. Maybe not always what we want, but definitely everything that we need. And as we step into God's economy, and as we know that God is the generous one, as we know that he has blessed us, that he makes his will known to us, he provides for us, that we live in the fact that he has saved us and the Holy Spirit leads us forward. As we live in those truths, we can trust him. We can trust him to be the one who provides, not just financially, but we can trust him to provide for us in every area of our lives because we're living in the economy of God. So let me ask you again, can you think of a time where you've received the generosity of God in your life and it has changed you? It has changed how you think. It's changed the things that your heart beats after and it's changed your actions in a certain area of your life. You see, God the Father's greatest act of generosity was sending his son Jesus to earth to redeem and save humankind. John 3.16, very famous verse. You see it each Olympics. Uh, this, is, um, this is what it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 5.8, we've looked at this a few times in our Romans series. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's beautiful to hear stories of people's lives transformed and the three young people who are baptised today. It's a real privilege, to be honest, to be in the room with you and for family and friends here today, I'm sure you feel the same. It's such a, an opening of yourself and being vulnerable and honest and sharing your story of a God who has saved you, a God who's redeemed you, that you found life in him and you just don't want to hold that to yourself, but you want to share that amongst your family and friends and your church uh, community today. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And in John 1, uh, John speaks about how Jesus came to earth. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message translation. He says, the word became flesh, the word being Jesus, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. We saw glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out and true from start to finish. So Jesus moves into the neighborhood and we see who he is. He's like his father. He's like his heavenly dad. He's generous inside and out and he's true from start to finish. He has a generosity about him in his life and then he also is the truth. We see that in Jesus' life. He lived a generous life. And he brought the kingdom of God here on earth. And when he gave his mission statement in Luke 4, he spoke about in the temple what his life was going to stand for. And he spoke a messianic prophecy from Isaiah 61, which the, the people of the day knew all about. And he says these words, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And that's what Jesus set about to do in his ministry. 
He set about to live a generous life and being involved in the things of God and being involved in bringing the kingdom of God. He was committed in, in terms of seeing people finding life in him. He went to the margins of society of the day to bring people into participating into the kingdom of God. And he was generous inside and out. He fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. He turned water to wine at a wedding. He healed and restored people so they could experience a full life in him. If you read through the Gospels and you spend any time, you're just seeing Jesus constantly giving of himself for the betterment of humanity. Mark 10, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom. For many, see, Jesus lived out on earth the generosity of God. So we can live generous because of what God has given to us through Jesus. And Jesus told stories as well about what it looked like to, uh, to live in this generosity. He, he told stories that people understood of the day so that it highlighted the generosity of God. And one of these stories is in Luke 15 and it reveals God's generous love for all people. It's a parable, a story with meaning that called the lost son or the prodigal son. And it's this story of a man, you might know it. He has two sons. One of his sons comes to him and he says, hey dad, can I have my inheritance early? And his dad says, you know what? Yeah, you can have it. So he halved the inheritance. He gave it to his son. And his son said, see you, dad. I'm out of here. And he went to another land. And in that other land, he just wasted all of the inheritance. Jesus says that he wasted it on wild living. So you can just interpret that any way you want. He wasted uh, all of his inheritance. He, he started working. Uh, for someone, he started to dream of eating the pig food that he, was, that he was giving to the pigs. And then he came to his senses. He came to his senses and he said, I've got to go back to my dad. I've got to tell my dad that I've sinned against him and I've sinned against heaven. And he just didn't think about it. He had enough courage to do it. So he went back to his land. He went back to his land and his dad saw him from a long way out. And what did his dad do? His dad ran to him. He fell down on the ground and he hugged him. He embraced him. He gave him a, a ring to put on his finger. He gave him a new robe. He gave him some sandals. And he said to everyone, my son who was lost has now been found. Let's have a big party. Let's have a big party. Right there is the image of the generosity of our Father in heaven. And this story would have, you know, created a few waves back in the first century. You know, it's also known as the story of the parables, uh, the, sorry, the parable of the Father's love or, or the parable of the waiting father. This father who's incredibly generous to his son, waiting for him and planning to accept him back into the family. You know, the father's love was around sharing land and inheritance, giving his son freedom to choose, having compassion on his son and reinstating him into the family. And these acts would have actually been super countercultural of the first century. You see, today, you know, people kind of get status through their credit rating, right? But back in the first century, you got status 
by having honour and avoiding shame. It was an honour-shame culture. So he wanted to do things that avoided shame and he wanted to do things that elevated honour. And what this father did by giving half his inheritance and his land to his son would have actually created a fair bit of shame onto the family. Because uh, in the first century, there wasn't Centrelink, right? So if you were wealthy and if you had means, you actually also had responsibility. You had responsibility so that the people in your area lived, literally lived, had food and, and were, able to, were able to survive. So by cutting his land in half meant that he said goodbye to workers. He said goodbye to people that he'd be maybe feeding them for generations, his family. So that would have brought shame. And then secondly, if you're an esteemed man, in the first century, you don't run. People come to you. You you got a nice place, people come to you. You sit in that position of power and authority over others. So by the father running and falling at the feet of his son, that again is an act of shame. So these two acts would have actually brought shame onto the family. But actually, this is how God is with us. This is how God is with you. He loves us. He's patient with us. He lets us choose our own way because that's what divine love is all about. But He never gives up on us. Never. He never gives up. There's always a pathway of restoration with God. And this is because God is a generous God. This is because God is always creating and redeeming. He's creating and He's redeeming. And He's a generous God to us. So what is our response to all of this? What is our response to a generous God who creates and redeems? Well, it's firstly to be a people who receive God's generosity. Maybe today you need to open yourself up afresh to receive from God. To be a people who dwell on it to dwell on the generosity of God in our lives and not skip over or not think about the things that we don't have or not to come at it from a scarcity mindset, but dwell on the generosity of God in your life. And then to be a people who live it out in our lives. We live in the overflow of God's generosity to us. Let's pray together.